He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. I know John Katsimatidis. Sid Rosenberg doing double duty. I told him I moved back to the city after the pipes burst at my house in Queens. And I'm two train stops away. They said, Sid, come on back. I said, why not? When Janae Butler and Rudy Washington are in studio, who's going to say no to that? On MLK, though. So before we get to uh, Bill O'Reilly, quickly, Janae Butler, what does this day mean to you? Everything. Um, Martin Luther King Day. I've worked for Reverend Jesse Jackson for the last 15 years. And so being that uh, Reverend Jackson was with Dr. King and he's been a mentor to me, it means everything. And just to live out his legacy is, you know, everything to me. So it's And you, Rudy Washington, what about you? Uh, Well, pretty much the same thing, Sid. I'm very much concerned about the history of our country uh, and things that we do remember, things that we should keep to the forefront, and we're not. Um, uh, as I said before earlier, you know, you look at the seminal moments of our history, you know, from Pearl Harbor, Pearl Harbor forward, yeah. uh, our young people don't even know. Uh, uh, and as sad as it is, they don't even know about 9-11. Uh, they don't know about Dr. King. Um, so it's important that we recognize these these moments in our history. The man that uh, is solely responsible for making me number one every morning on this station, because he does a tremendous job 9 p.m. every weeknight here at WABC, has his own amazing website, BillOReilly.com, great interviews, great TV shows, great columns, including two today, one talking about blaming Mexico, the other honoring Martin Luther King Jr. He's on my show every Thursday at 8.40, but he's here every Monday at this time. He's the best ever. He's my friend, Bill O'Reilly. Bill, happy MLK Day, Bunny. Nice to speak to you again. Well, thank you, and I appreciate uh, the opportunity to address Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Um, I don't come at it from a person who's analyzing what Dr. King accomplished because I don't know the black experience. And I can't um, intellectualize what black Americans have gone through because I've never gone through it. But I can add to the discussion by bringing a heavy dose of history in. Um, And Mr. Washington was absolutely correct that most Americans have no blanket clue who Dr. King was or the difficulties that he encountered in the late 50s and early 60s. So uh, I don't want to get be a pinhead here, uh, but I'm going to give you just a very brief sketch of what was happening in the country at that time. So there were people in Congress that did not want African-Americans to have an equal chance to pursue happiness. They were elected people, and they were there, and they had a lot of power. And in the federal government, people like J. Edgar Hoover, the uh, head of the FBI, was among them. They did not want black citizens of this country to have an equal opportunity to pursue happiness as the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence both demand. That's number one. Now, you could come at that in two ways. And Dr. King became a leader of the black movement by saying, we're not going to blow this society up to get what we should rightly have. (laughs) 
we're going to persuade. And he did. He was successful in doing that. And therefore, very slowly, African-Americans did get a measure of fairness in American society. That continues to this day. But along the way, King lost his life. And dividers in both black and white precincts have used the African-American experience to hurt this country. And it goes on today. You, you, you know, see it today. You know, it's, Bill. It's become very political. You know, Bill. And, go it, ahead. It's amazing how the, the media has sanitized our president's record. Um, you mentioned uh, those people in the Senate. And and he praised those people when he first got there. Uh, and, you know, he was a big fan of Robert Byrd, who, who was uh, a grand wizard. Um, he was one that went against busing, according to his own VP. Yeah, um, you know, so about Biden here, right? You know, and but it, see, Biden. What people have to understand is that Biden is not smart enough to <laughs> understand what is happening in the country, and that's why we're in such bad straits now. He's just not smart enough to understand it. So, what his whole life has been opportunism. And when he went down yesterday to speak at Dr. King's church, if you read his speech, and I did a lot of time on it tonight at 9 o'clock on WABC, the speech speech is divisive. It isn't designed to uplift or bring blacks and whites together. It's designed to tell black Americans that today, in 2023, your country is hosing you. Your country continues to hurt you. This is the president of the United States doing this. And to me, I'm looking at it, and I said to my audience tonight, and I'll say it here, I'm starting to personally dislike Joe Biden. Oh, good. And I didn't, (laughs) I hadn't had that feeling with Clinton, Bush the Younger, Obama, Trump, but I'm starting to personally dislike this man. Good. Because of what he's doing to this country. But if you look at that speech, it's purely there to divide and tell African-Americans don't even consider a Republican vote because they want to keep you down. And I thought it was despicable. And I said to my audience, I don't know what Dr. King would think about a speech like that, but I don't think he'd respect it. And that's based on my historical analysis of King. Hi, Bill. Um, this is Jania Butler. I'm a member of the hip hop community and I've watched you over the years really criticize the hip hop community about education. And I thank you for that. And so how do you feel today about the hip hop community and what we should be doing going forward if you still had the platform to talk to us about it? Well, I do have the platform. I mean, uh, we're all over the place. I'm not on Fox News, but, um, you know, our, our message is heard. My objection to uh, rap and hip hop is that it is coarse. And if you go into any public school and talk to the African American kids, many of them use terrible language, mm-hmm. are disrespectful to authority, and this comes out of the entertainment they consume. But here's the interesting point 
If you go across the street to Mount St. Michael's or Cardinal Hayes and you talk to the African-American kids, they're totally opposite. Mm -hmm. Because what they hear and, and consume in the entertainment industry is overridden by their parents. Right. And God. demand a certain deportment from them. Right. And God, too. God doesn't hurt. This is uh, the great Bill O'Reilly, of course, 9 p.m. every weeknight here on WABC. Sid Rosenberg sitting in for John Katsimatidis on this very special day. So earlier this morning, Bill, on my show, at A.R. Bernard on. He co-hosts the Reverend the Rabbi before John every Sunday morning alongside Rabbi Joe. And I asked him, I said, if Dr. Martin Luther King was alive today, and he knew him, by the way, personally, what would he say? And he said, Sid, I think Dr. King would tweet SMH and a down face, that Dr. King would be very upset with where we are today and not happy that after all these years, 50, 60 years, we have not done nearly enough. That was A.R. Bernard's stance. What do you think King would say? Well, I would ask him, what do you want done? I mean, right now, in the policy of this country under the Biden administration is equity, putting black Americans at the top of the list, for employment, for admissions to schools, and for social entitlements from the government. What exactly do you want now? Hmm. So I, I need to get a specific definition of, okay, we haven't done enough. Number one, who's we? I'm paying taxes through my ears. <laughs> okay? So I think I'm doing... Me too. <laughs> and I'm giving a tremendous amount of money to Talladega College. <laughs> which is a black-run college in Alabama because they do a hell of a job down there, and it's not a woke thing, and they're not trying to use skin color to divide. So I'm doing my part, but what do you want? Okay? Look, no country is perfect, and there's going to be bigots everywhere, and they're always going to exist, and that's a neurosis, the human neurosis. So you want a perfect union, you're not going to get it. But I think, based on my experience, that most Americans want people of all colors to succeed and to have the American dream. I think the bigots are about 10, 15 percent of, of the American population. But it's, what has to be presented in a better way is here's the problem. Here's how we'd like it solved. People will listen. Uh, you know, Bill, um... I, I, you know, I, I've come to the conclusion that a country will eventually cease to exist if it doesn't have a shared culture, shared values, and a rule of law. And I'm looking at our country and seem like we're just going backwards. And I think Dr. King would have been very concerned about the picture you're looking at today uh, and, and what's happening because um, as bad as things may have been in the 60s and 70s, it was a shared culture uh, and values and a belief in our legal system. Uh, right now, you know, I, I wonder if we can get back to a one-day election, you know, uh, <laughs> where, where, you know nice. when I, I go to bed at night, I know who the president is, you know, I know nice. who my councilman is or yeah. whatever, and not, not a month later. I think I mean, that's the point that A.R. Bernard Bill was making this this morning, too, was that, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff going on in the world today that is divisive of what you like to use in your right, and it's not getting any better. It's getting worse. 
it's because we don't have problem solvers, we have exploiters. And I'll go back to the Biden speech. If, if it's all about convincing African-Americans to vote for you, you're going to set up a grievance situation. You're getting hosed. Country doesn't care about you. It's not looking out for you. When you say shared values, the shared value is that Americans help each other and try to be fair in all aspects of life. That's the shared value. I mean, blacks will tell you, older blacks, that the family structure in the 50s and 60s was in the African-American community was much stronger than it is now. Right? Right. Oh, yeah. And, and the stats back that up. You get 72% of black babies born out of wedlock. That's not a good thing. <laughs> but it's accepted. And there is where Dr. King would have a tremendous influence by speaking out, saying, look, the family unit is the shared experience. That you raise your children to be responsible people, kind people, law-abiding people. You don't run out on them. When do we hear that message? We don't. So, you know, it's a very difficult society right now in America. We're living in a corrupt system. Um, are not a lot of problem solvers out there. Plenty of exploiters. Well said. Uh, that's why you must listen to Bill O'Reilly, 9 p.m. every weeknight here on WABC. And, of course, check out the website, folks. You're going to love it, BillOReilly.com. And go buy his latest book in the Killing Series, Killing the Legends, which last I checked is still like a top ten book. It's been like years. I don't know how you do it, Bill, but congratulations on your latest success. And thanks again for coming on on this special day. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you. You got it. Uh, that is the great Bill O'Reilly here with Sid Rosenberg, Janaya Butley, and Rudy Washington. We'll take a short break when we get back. The former governor here in New York, David Patterson, his thoughts on MLK Day right here on Cats at Night, only on Talk Radio 77 WABC. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Back here, Cats at Night, Sid Rosenberg sitting in with my all-star panel here. <laughs> Brett Baer, he's jealous if he's watching this. I've got uh, I've got two great ones here, Rudy Washington and Jenea Butler, here as we get ready to talk to the governor, David Patterson. But before, Miss Butler, you've got a couple of very famous quotes from uh, Dr. King. Uh, one, he actually mentions me, which is unbelievable. So we'll go ahead and fire those away. <laughs> he said, Sid, <laughs> no, cultivating. Sid, you can help us. You're a bunch of Eric Adams. The 2020, the 2023 theme for Dr. King Day is cultivating a beloved community mindset to transform unjust systems. And so I think that's very important. And Dr. King, he said, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. So I think that Bill O'Reilly, he always stands for that and he pushed that. And then one of my favorite quotes um, that he um, he always that I always listen to oops, one of my favorite quotes that he always and I think everybody knows is if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But by all means, keep moving. That's awesome. Now, that is awesome. As we celebrate today, MLK Day again with 
Rosenberg, Butler, and Washington. Governor David Patterson, really one of the great governors we've had in New York. Uh, well, it's been a long time. I'm sorry, but between Hochul and uh, Cuomo, uh, I wish Governor Patterson would come back and go to work. But uh, here he is. I know he's on this show quite a bit. He's on my show in the morning every now and then as well. Governor Patterson, happy MLK Day, buddy. How are you? Well, thank you. Happy MLK Day to you, Sid. You know, it's interesting about Martin Luther King's birthday because on Martin Luther King's birthday... Which was yesterday, by the way. We, We need to point out that was yesterday, not today. Right. Right. And but that day, he was not on his birth certificate named Martin Luther King. Mm. His was name it? was Michael King Jr. No kidding. And when he was five years old, his father was so moved by the uh, reading about Martin Luther and the great uh, strides that he made to establish freedom for religion uh, centuries before that he changed his name to Martin Luther King, and then Martin Luther King uh, Jr., he changed his son's name as well. So he had kind of a calling from the time he was five years old. And this sort of way that King looked at the world universally, as opposed to racially, even though he was the greatest racial civil rights leader in this country, really comes into bear. So, for instance, right in the middle of the civil rights struggle, when they finally get Washington to listen and they pass the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Voting Rights Act of 1965, what does King do? He goes the other way hmm. against President Johnson right. and condemns the war in Vietnam. And whether you like that or not, and he even defended Muhammad Ali for going against the war in Vietnam. Now, defending Muhammad Ali was not a popular thing to do in those days, but that's why I have this kind of heroism about him. And I'll just tell you this quick story, Sid. We were um, playing uh, on a parkway across the street from where we lived, and somebody hit a ball, and it hit this car. And all of us were black, and the driver of the car was a white Southerner. You could tell by the way he was cursing at us. (laughs) It had a Southern drawl. He walks right up to us, and... uh, the oldest of our group, he looks him right in the face and he says, I ought to do this and do that, blah, blah, blah. blah. Yeah. And he goes, and uh, finally his wife goes, Mac, come along, let's get out of here. So he goes, he gets back in the car, he drives away. And our friend, who was older than us, looked at us and he said, if he had said one word about my race, and one of the other kids said, you would have gone home and called Martin Luther King. Oh, <laughs> that's great. That's great. That's a great story. That is a great story. Now, somebody uh, was on my show this morning and said that back in that era, and of course, I was born in 1967, I was about to celebrate my one-year birthday on April 19th of 1968 when Dr. King was assassinated two weeks before on April the 4th. Somebody told me this morning that you almost had to choose between Malcolm X and Martin Luther, that Martin Luther King was the more, uh, you know, calm man and Malcolm X was a little more rebellious. Is that true that... A lot of folks had to choose between between those two great men. I don't think that Malcolm X really got into the movement. I mean, King was the one on the street nearly getting killed a number of times before he was actually assassinated. Malcolm X was a very strong leader. He spoke, you know, they call the proverbial truth to power. And uh, but 
I, I didn't see that divide as as much in the community as I've heard later on after it actually happened. I think that a lot of people appreciated that Malcolm X went further than King in his criticism and documented it sometimes. He was a very bright man, documented it quite well. But I think that uh, with uh, Dr. King, he didn't see himself as in competition with anyone as much as he had a vision and he wanted to follow it. And, of course, he knew what was going to happen to him. He predicted his own death 24 hours before uh, he was shot. Uh, Governor, why aren't you sitting here with me today? <laughs> you know, you know, you, you, really and I, wanna... you know, you and I play off each other. <laughs> I know. You really want to know, Rudy? Yes, we want to know. Because I have COVID. Oh, oh my wow. God. Jeez. Spoiler oh, alert. You feel okay? See what a friend I am, Rudy? I didn't even make you. I could have come down right. there and then we'd, <laughs> then, we'd, yeah, we'd, yeah. Be, then we'd really be together. Uh, do, you feel, do you feel okay? In all seriousness, you feel okay? Um, I, I I felt about as bad as I can remember feeling on Friday, but um, three three days out, I'm, I'm feeling a lot better. Yeah, you and, sound and great. Honestly, listening to you, you guys are inspiring me. Uh, thank, you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. Um, speedy recovery, recovery governor. And I wanted to say that you have a rich history of politics in New York. And so Dr. King stood for nonviolence, but you see what's going on here in New York. What would be your recommendation for the young people now about stopping the violence? How, how do you say that we do that? Well, I think that we've got to find a path for younger people and uh, Bill O'Reilly before cited the number of people who are not born into stable families. By the way, that's going on in the black community, but it's also going on in all communities at a higher level than it has been before. So I see it as a whole societal challenge to try to get younger people focused more than on uh, antagonism and and tribalism and fighting the people who, you know, live in the next neighborhood from them and the kind of stuff that you heard about back in the 20s and 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the other issues that, that we have to address is that these recording artists and even a lot of movies are almost fomenting this. They're almost, um, you, you know, uh, egging people on. And, you know, if we're talking about equal racial relations, if somebody made a movie and they did make a movie castigating the Jewish religion, and most people condemned it, then we've got to start making sure that, that, you know, education rarely comes in the schools. The schools teach you reading and writing, but what kind of person you're going to be and how you interact with people is, uh, is the most important part of actually being there. When I was school age, I wasn't allowed into the public schools in New York City, which is why my mother took me to Long Island, because she wasn't going to put me in a special school and I don't know where I'd be if she didn't do that. So what wow. we've got to do is to give the young people a different look uh, from what they're seeing right now. Excellent job, as always, Governor Patterson. We hope you feel better, obviously. Thank you so much for providing us with some great commentary on this special day. And we'll see you in studio very, very soon. Feel better, pal. Uh, uh, thank you, Sid. Great job. You too. Inez Dickens and Keith Wright still to come, plus some more of Janiya Butler and Rudy Washington with me, Sid Rosenberg, right here. Catch at night.
Sid Rosenberg in for John Katsimatidis, and the big guy will be back uh, tomorrow. I've got a great panel here, two tremendous people, Janaya Butler and Rudy Washington. And in both conversations with both Bill O'Reilly and Governor David Patterson, I brought up that earlier this morning, the Reverend A.R. Bernardo does a great Sunday morning show alongside the Rabbi Joe Potashnik before the Catch Round Table said to me that uh, if Martin Luther King Jr. was alive today, he would tweet SMH which is not good. And uh, I said, so he wouldn't be happy. And he said, no, he wouldn't be happy. He admitted that we've come some way, but not nearly enough. Rudy, what do you think? What would uh, King Jr. say today? Uh, I, I think Pastor Bernard hit it on the head. Um, I know I look myself, and I'm quite disappointed uh, in what I see in urban America. Um, maybe the pitch is better in, this, in the uh, rural areas of, of, you know, parts of the country, but Within the urban area, what's happening to our young people today, uh, uh, the level of violence, uh, wedlock births, um, you know, and and people not going to church. Matter of fact, I read an article where Satanism is uh, growing, satanic worship is growing in America. Uh, and I mentioned a few minutes ago about uh, a shared culture, shared values, and a respect for the rule of law, which we are losing on every level. Yeah. You know, when I, if anybody just pay attention to what's happening in Washington, you'll see the evaporation of the law. Yep. Uh, our elections, uh, I, you know, like I said before, and I wasn't joking, I, I like to get back to election day, uh, not election month. <laughs> uh, you know, um, yeah. I mean, so yes, Dr. King and for, my generation, uh, the baby boomers, FMH. I had to ask my kids one day what that meant. <laughs> and they said, oh, shaking my head. Yeah, uh, I said, yeah, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. see, we had to define what that meant. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Believe me, when I first heard it, I'm right with you, but I didn't know either. I'm going to be 56, God willing, in April. I don't know either. Uh, Janaya Butler, what do you think uh, Dr. King would say today? Well, I think he would be upset, you know, um, I think he, I think he would say that we've got more work to do. Um, I think that he would, he would say that he was disappointed in the young people. And I think that he would also say survival of the fittest, you know, and so that we have to get fit to survive in this country, in this world, and really focus on those things and education, number one. So I think that he would be definitely upset. Definitely disappointed, but survival of the fittest. Well said. All right. So, Janie and uh, Rudy, we're going to bring on um, right now. It's going to be Inez Dickens. Inez, welcome to Catch at Night. I'm Sid Rosenberg sitting in for John Katz and Matides with Janea Butler and Rudy Washington. Happy MLK Day. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Sid. Thank you so much. Hey, Rudy, how are you? How are you doing, love? I'm more of like doing great. Thank have, you. Have, doing haven't great talked in a while. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. I, I want to ask you a question. I wanted to ask the governor, and I'm going to ask Keith, because all three of you are institutions in Harlem. And I know your fathers, all three of you, were institutions. Uh, what Do you have stories for us that uh, maybe your father... Uh, contact with Dr. King. Do you have stories that you can share with us? You know, it's funny you said that because um, I was going through some of his um, his records, and I have original letters written in the handwriting of Dr. Martin Luther King. Wow. Uh, addressed to my father. Um, 
and the Schomburg has been asking me for them. Um, if I would turn them over to them um, before I die, <laughs> you know, um, for the history that they bring, um, and for young people and all people of, of all races, cultures, and ages to be able to see the letters that he wrote my father uh, for his contributions, uh, his financial contributions to uh, the civil rights movement. So, uh, you know, I, there's many stories I could talk about. I was a kid, but, you know, I also have the stories because this is, these are icons and historic figures that changed the world. And I was able to meet them personally, sit down at the tables with them personally, um, and, and, and hear and listen firsthand. Um, the lessons that oftentimes maybe then I didn't understand, but today I do. Ms. Dickens, this so, is uh, Jania Butler that calls you the OG, hi, the young hip hop lady. How are you? Um, the first time I met you, I met you with Thornton J. Meacham uh, Sr. Oh yes. And um, yes. Mr. Meacham used to say that, you know, I asked him, I said, you know, he was 92, and I asked him, I said, were we ever together? And he said, no. And so you being such a legend in Harlem and so strong in Harlem and just kind of being everywhere in Harlem, how do we get together? How do we use the, the foundation of Harlem, which has been so rich over these years, to really pull ourselves together? You know, you know, my sister, if I could come up with that answer, we would be so strong. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Whoever, I mean, we've had the, the 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 Martin Luther Kings who have tried, who succeeded more than many others have uh, in pulling us together. But even with that, there were many who were against him. Right. You know, we have not had any leadership that has been successful in pulling ninety five percent of us together. Mm-hmm. I don't true. know. I mean, I've heard a lot of reasonings why. Um, one thing I my one thing I've come to think, and I was, you know, when I was in college, I was a black panther because my father nearly died, but I was a black panther. Yeah. And one thing I've learned now is that the the generation after generation, first of all, we didn't teach our history to our children. As a kid, I had a book from the uh, bookstore, The Tree of Life, as anybody remembers that, on 125th and Adam Creighton Powell Boulevard. And uh, he bought, my father bought me this book that said the pictorial history of the Negro in America, because that's what it was then. And uh, it had a lot of pictures because it was a book for children. And I took the book and sat on my grandmother's stoop with some friends and showed them the book and started reading some of them, showing them slavery and from once we come and whatnot. And the kids were receptive. They were my friends. Their parents called my father that night and said that if I ever brought that book out again, they would never allow their children to play with me. Ay, ay, ay. Wow. I, uh, I'm not that far removed from living right there. I used to live on 104th and West End. We did the Red Rooster quite a bit on Thanksgiving, so I love that area. In fact, people don't remember, but 10 years before Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated in 1958, he was nearly killed and he was stabbed in the neck in Harlem by some crazy lady. Yes, exactly right. Yes, exactly right. But, but you know, you brought up something interesting. You talked about the lack of leadership, and I've forgiven Jesse Jackson. We've become friendly over the years for the Jaime Town comments and all that nonsense. Al 
Sharpton to me is a clown. I'm sorry. There has not been much leadership since some of those people you just mentioned. Do you see anybody, Inez, on the horizon that can stand up and actually, I'm not saying be Martin Luther King Jr., but at least have a lead by good example? Well, I, you know, I'm going to tell you something. I disagree with you on the statement you made about uh, about Reverend Sharpton. Uh, Reverend Sharpton has uh, evolved in his in his um, teachings of what um, black people need in this country, what we need to strive for in this country, he has come uh, full circle. He has his own talk show, and and what he's telling people today makes a lot of sense. He is a national or really an international leader. So I have to disagree with you on that. Uh, on that point, that's okay. He's, he's about making money. He's, he's about making money and getting donations, and that's what he does. But that's it's not just one leader. See, we we, we are lacking a, a leadership internationally. We're arguing with ourselves over uh, whether you're Caribbean or whether you're African or whether you come from Midwest or you come from down south or you, you come from South Carolina or you come from Georgia. We're arguing over things that make no difference because we're all in the same bucket. We're all in the same the same issues. We all have the same problems, and yet we're we're arguing amongst ourselves. No one, and that includes Martin, has been able to stop that type of infighting that would bring us together so that we can have economic and political empowerment. Because that's what it's about in this country. And what's happening now in this country is we're not even realizing it that this country is evolving into a socialist country, and then we wonder why other people come in that have left their countries because they were socialists, bearing near communism. They fled from those countries and came here, and they didn't come here for that. They came here for the American dream, if you want to call it that, of, of, of generational wealth. And I don't care whether you come from NYCHA or whether you come from a, a family that owns a, a, a brownstone, you, you, generational wealth is what we should all be aspiring to. Yep. Hey, listen, we may disagree on Sharpton, but the rest of what you just said, Inez, was so brilliant and so perfect. God bless you. I couldn't agree more with the rest of it. Uh, and we want to thank you for coming on today and celebrating this special day with me, Jania, and Rudy. Happy MLK Day, and God bless you, sweetheart. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Love We're you. We're going to take a short break and come back. And another great guest. It's been a tremendous show already. Bill O'Reilly, Governor David Patterson. And Inez Wright. We continue, Inez, I should say, Dickens. We continue with Keith Wright right here on Cats at Night. Take a short break. We'll be right back. You're commuting home with Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis on 77 WABC. Close. It's his illegitimate son, Sidney Rosenberg. John is, uh, John's doing some powerful stuff this afternoon, so he's asked me to come in and I. Couldn't be prouder on a day like this after hosting a four-hour extravaganza this morning. Back here this afternoon with two wonderful people, Janaya Butler, a very good friend of mine, and Rudy Washington, a good friend as well. We've had a great guest list so far today, from Bill O'Reilly to Governor David Patterson to Inez Dickens. Keith Wright is uh, set to join us right here on this MLK Day. Keith, Sid, Janaya, and Rudy, how are you? Happy MLK Day. Good evening. Thank you for having me. Keith, how are you? Good. You, you know, um, I haven't talked to you in a while. 
That's because I haven't seen you on the subway like I used yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, Keith, you know, I, I, I David got off too quick. I, I didn't get a chance to ask him, but I did talk to Inez. Um, and I know your father was a legend also, you know, and I'm assuming that he had contact with Dr. King and that you, too, may have stories that you could just share with us that maybe your father told you. Well, the only story um, uh, that I can really relate to you is that I'll never forget. I was nine years old, and I was um, it was a hot, hot, hot August day. And uh, early in the morning, and I think it was a Saturday, uh, my mother woke me up. And she said, come on, come on, come on. Let's go down. We got to go. We got to go. I said, where are we going? Don't worry about it. So I was a sleepy nine-year-old kid. Being, the next thing I know, we're in our church basement. And next thing I know, we're we're getting on a bus. I know where so you cold. went. I couldn't go. I was, I was too young, but my father did go. Yes. Lo and behold, we end up down in Washington, D.C. for the March on Washington. And, uh, and, 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 and of course, you know, I was a nine year old cranky guy, but didn't matter. I was with my brother and my mother, so it didn't, didn't really care. Uh, I don't think my father had uh, a lot of interaction with, um, doctor. Well, let me ask you this. So you were nine years old on that epic day back in 1963, the, I have a dream speech, your baby, but were you still, were you uh, nine years old is kind of just at that range where you're old enough to appreciate something so powerful, you're inspired or not yet? Oh no, well, I, I I didn't realize what I was doing because I went to a um, I went to a school. I went to an all white school actually, right. and although it was in the middle of the, it was just at the beginning, I guess, of the civil rights movement. Um, and, you know, I had really no idea where I was going, and the impact really didn't 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 have an effect upon me until I got a little bit older, let's say in my teens, gotcha. when I was starting to uh, uh, go to demonstrations and picket, uh, you know, uh, in picket uh, locations, and then it basically really manifested itself when I was when I was 15 years old, and when the black students took over an administration building in the school that I went to. What school was that? Uh, up in Riverdale, called Fieldston. Gotcha. I know it well. Absolutely. I lived in Riverdale. Okay. Yeah, Jenny. Mr. Right. Wright, Jenny Butler, how are you, sir? Um, hey, so, you? yeah, I'm great. Um, so your father, right, um, known as Cut Him Loose Bruce, right? So yeah. how do you feel today about the bail reform and how, where it's, where there's, it's necessary to a degree, but then we, we, all these problems. How do you feel about it knowing, like, you know, coming from where you come from and where your dad was, you know, in a place where he was trying to make change with, with letting people go? Well, as far as I'm concerned, for I don't know however long our American system of jurisprudence has, has been in effect, we have had bail deform mm. uh, rather than bail reform. How many times do black and brown people were they locked up, uh, 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 you know, with uh, just locked up and then the key was thrown away without? And, and, and you got to remember, the Eighth Amendment provides that bail shall be used not as a not as a uh, incarcerating sort of uh, mm-hmm. measure, but just as a measure to get somebody to return back to court. Mm-hmm. Right. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. 
And so, as far as I'm concerned, we had bail deform in this country. And now I'm glad to see that the pendulum has gone uh, back the other way to a certain extent. Right. Yeah, it's uh, gone too far the other way. That's another, another, another uh, well, yeah. discussion. <laughs> yeah, way too far. Think. That's uh, what some people think. Right. No, I think that. I think, listen, yeah. how many times did I see friends of mine being, uh, uh, you know, I think... You know, incarcerated until their court appears. Uh, listen, that, 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 I'm not arguing that. And, and believe me, yeah. when Alice Johnson was let go, I, I celebrated like everybody else. But I'm sorry, there are way too many violent acts committed in our city every day because of this ridiculous bail reform that you just can't make an argument for. Not logically. So there's got to be there's got to be a happy medium. It's not there right now. Not yet. This is a very dangerous city. Keith, I want to ask you about uh, Martin Luther King, though, in terms of how he would feel yeah. not about the white community, not about our country. But about the black community, How, what would Martin Luther King Jr. say today, if you had a guess, about the people in the black community? Well, I think that he would be very proud to a large extent, especially among the inroads that we have made uh, on the legislative uh, level, on the like, a judicial level, and on the executive level as well. Uh, I think he'd be very proud, but I also think that he would think that there was much, much, much more work to do Uh, um, because, you know, listen, not everybody, not everyone is free, especially among black folks and even among, you know, and Martin Luther King was very inclusive. You know, he he was about all people. Uh, Yes, he was black and he was fighting for black civil rights, but he was fighting for civil rights for all folks uh, within the United States of America and beyond. All right, Keith. Well, listen, thank you uh, so much for hopping on uh, this uh, this special day. I, I just wonder, what, what, do, what do you do on this day? I mean, obviously, yesterday was his birthday, but we're celebrating today. What do you do, Keith? I mean, do you go back? Do you read something? What do you do to really celebrate this day? You personally. Oh, well, listen, I've done, um, um, I'll never forget taking my kids uh, always, and, and whether it's Christmas or Thanksgiving or 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 or, or Martin Luther King's birthday, yes, I would make the political rounds. Yeah. But also, we would go and um, and feed folks. Uh, that's what we cool. we would do, and because uh, it is a day of service and it's a day um, of, of of trying to lift up your community, and that's what I've tried to do, especially in my twenty four years in the New York State Legislature, yep. and especially now as the current New York County leader. You know, Keith, I think what we have to do more of, and I did it when my kids were young, on Martin Luther King Day, uh, is play some of his tapes, easily pulled up now on the Internet, and sure. especially that speech uh, that you heard as a nine-year-old, uh, mm-hmm. because I don't think we do it enough. And this generation now that we're looking at, yeah. Are clueless, completely clueless. To a large extent, yes, they are. That's a, actually really good advice and something that we should do. You're right, uh, Rudy. Hey, uh, Keith, thank you so much again for hopping on today. God bless you for all your service and enjoy the rest of your day. We'll do this again very, very soon, buddy. Thank you so much. I look forward to it. Thank you for having me. My man, Keith Wright here on the Cats at Night show. Sid Rosenberg in for John Katz and Matitis. And I think you, you hit on something that's important. You know, I, um, I, I'm one of those guys, I don't know if you can tell Rudy and Janaya, but um, I kind of go, I have a little bit of a personality. I get a little crazy every now yeah. and then, yeah. So when I ask my son, what are you studying today? And it's 9-11, and he's not studying 9-11. I get very angry. Uh, when I ask my son, how much have you learned about World War II and the Holocaust? And he said, Dad, nothing, nothing. 
Um, and now you bring up the fact that Martin Luther King, we should replay his tapes there. You're 100% right. I don't know what they're teaching our kids in school. I know they're teaching critical race theory. That's fine. It's not fine, actually. It's brutal. But um, what else are they teaching our kids? And you're right, Rudy. Why don't we start right here on a day like this by instead of having kids stay home the day before or the day after, let them come to an appreciation of what King was. Right? That makes sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think, as I said before, the seminal moments that build the foundation of this country, which we don't appreciate anymore. We don't appreciate the fact that when you look at Europe, when you look at China, Japan, these cultures are thousands of years old. Um, and um, you look at the United States, for the most part, by the time we was 200 years old, we were a world power. Yeah. You know, yeah. over countries that are thousands of years old. We are exceptional. We are blessed. We are anointed. And and we're giving it away. I, yeah, I'm looking at what's happening at our southern border. We're just giving it away. And when yep. you talk about education, we, you know, on Pearl Harbor Day, we should, at least in the schools, teach what that day was. 100%. Um, you know, uh, 9-11, you know, I never thought, you know, in a few short years, you got a generation. When when uh, President Obama, when they caught bin Laden, the most trending topic on the Internet that night was... Who is Bin Laden? Oh my God, that's Who is crazy! Osama that's that's terrible. That was the trending topic. I believe it. I believe you it. Know. That's how pathetic it's gotten. Thirty seconds, Janaya Butler. Let's uh, wrap up with your thoughts. Well, as well, I think that what's happening in the schools is that the teachers. I've been in the classroom, and the teachers have to become behavioral therapists, and they're spending a lot of their time, you know, talking about the kids' behaviors and not enough time of what's in the textbook. And so we have to learn. We have to first learn how to teach our kids you know, how to learn and teach our kids how to sit and learn and to pay attention. And I think that's very important. I think when we're talking about King and we're talking about everything going forward, it's so important for us to, to, to look at what's happening to the teacher because we're saying, what are they teaching in school? But I think the teacher has to, has to learn well. Agreed. That's an excellent job today. Uh, Janaya Butler, as always, you're always fantastic. I'll see you in the mornings one of these days. Rudy Washington, great job, too. want to thank John Katsimatidis for allowing me to sit in today. Matt, very good job today, Matt. Excellent job by Rich running the board as well. Bob Brown, Mike Dino, the whole crew. I'll be back at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning with Sid and Friends in the morning with an all-star cast, including Andrew Giuliani and Miranda Devine and Michael Goodwin. Until then, the great one, Mark Levin, is coming up next. See you tomorrow.